Well, welcome to the Practice Makes Faithful podcast. We are excited to be jumping into a brand new series today. We're in our fifth episode, still kind of a brand new thing as always. Uh, so I'm Ben Patterson. I'm joined here with Paul Hugobart. But this month we have a special guest. We are joined by Rob Shaver. Hello. What's up, Rob? How's it going? Yeah. All right. Hey, we all, yeah, we're, we're excited about this. this no doubt. Good to have Rob with us. Yes. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We're, we're glad. We're, we're glad this is something that you enjoy being a part of. We're not like holding you against your will here. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I found out that you guys were going to start this, I've been trying to angle my way on. So. And you may there are others too. Apparently, apparently I'm so, not yeah. alone. <laughs> not alone in that effort. That's right. The way to get on the podcast is preaching. Correct. We've learned. And As you started a new series at Grace Chapel. Yeah. So you made it. Yes. <laughs> there may be other ways, but they have not been discovered yet. Okay. Right. So, Rob, tell us, what is your favorite podcast? <laughs> Are you a podcast man? Uh, I I have on my phone now Google Podcasts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yeah. <laughs> I'm currently subscribed to just one podcast. It is my favorite. Oh, it is called... Oh. Suspense. Uh, practice makes faithful. Oh, oh! I heard yeah. about this. I heard it, it was is, good. It is a gem. <laughs> it's good. We made the Rob list. Right. That's amazing. That's, That's excellent. Amazing. That's excellent. I mean, we, we kind of had set that as something we aspired to, if we could get Rob listening to the podcast. Yeah. That's actually yeah. one of the reasons why we thought to bring you on the podcast is then maybe you'd listen to it, but <laughs> you're already listening to it. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. On Tuesday mornings. I know you read a lot of books, Rob. Like drive it's, down. it's it's an honor to be included on that list. Yeah, good. I mean, I only, I've only heard the first twenty minutes of any of the podcasts, <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs> but it's good. You guys get a good start. <laughs> yeah. yeah, always the first twenty minutes are that, that's where we really excel. After right. that, you're fine just tuned out. Right. Yeah. Then I get to the church building and turn it off. And there you go. Yeah, the drive's only twenty minutes. Well, there is a drive home. Oh. You listen to the backside. It, that, it picks up right where you left off, typically. I, I hadn't thought of that yet. So. That's a gem for all of you who are either watching or listening right now is, is to know that if you have a 20-minute ride on the way into work, you can just pick up right where you left off on <laughs> the way back home and finish the podcast. It's that's a, that's l- a little-known fact, but it is a stroke of brilliance. I agree. Got some catching up. Awesome. Here. Yes. There you go. All right, so Rob, so tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who is – who's never met you before, maybe they've tuned into the podcast, or, but they, they don't know Rob. Tell us a little bit about who is Rob. Ooh, well, <laughs> just, uh, let's see, we're in February. Next month, next month I'm going to turn 40. So that's that's a little bit about my age and, and who I am because uh, you can make all the assumptions you want about a 40-year-old white man. And I guess I, I probably meet some of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've got I've got a wife, four kids, a couple dogs. Uh, been in ministry for a while. I kind of uniquely uh, worked with a church in Utica, New York, for 17 years. So just to have mm-hmm. that kind of longevity mm-hmm. in one place is not seen as much right. these yeah. days. Uh, but it was it was a really good run, you know, and just uh, a lot of great relationships and and man, if you if you've not heard yet the story about how I went from there and ended up here, then you should, if you're a part of Grace Chapel or live in the area um, around Cumming, Georgia, stop me and ask me. It's a, it's an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. just gives us all the confidence in the world that it, God brought us here. Yeah. And, Agreed. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. 
We know it's been an awesome fit here as the discipleship minister. We just man, love to have you. It's been amazing. But tell us a little bit, what, what does a discipleship minister do? Yeah, it's, you know, as I was leaning into the role a little bit more, just trying to get, find that out for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is a discipleship? <laughs> but uh, I, I think discipleship, people generally look at that term in two different ways, either discipleship as kind of a post-conversion process. Okay, you, you, you're a Christian now. Discipleship is how you get closer to Jesus in, in the yeah. process of getting closer to Jesus. But then when you look at the Great Commission and Jesus saying go out and make disciples, then some some groups or churches will look at discipleship as more on the front end before you're converted. Right. You know, what's, what, what do we need to do to get you to know Jesus and trust him enough to give your life to him? Sometimes call evangelism. Right, yeah, yeah more on the uh, evangelistic side. So then... Uh, but it seemed like as I ta- as I got here, and I kind of had a preconceived idea of what I'd be doing, but as I really felt things out, got to talk to church leaders, church members, mm-hmm. um, that both of those things were embraced. And, and that's, I think, maybe a good, healthy way to look at discipleship is the entire process, right? Yeah. So no matter where you are, uh, you can be learning more about Jesus and learning more about what it means to follow Jesus and, and so I'm trying to figure out what that means within my role, you know, to kind of envelop that whole thing. Um, more specifically, I guess, that it's it's not for, for here and for us, not developing a separate discipleship program, but more right. so just l- seeing how, because that's the, the whole thing, uh, how does that fit into everything we do? Mm-hmm. So, so that's been a joy that. so far because um, most everybody has been really accepting of that. Actually, excited that it's not another program. Yeah, right. And, yeah. Um, and and so I get to work with everybody, and it's been great. It's been a really good start mm-hmm. so far. I love that. And that's I mean that's one of the goals here for this podcast. Our title, "Practice Makes Faithful." It's about mm-hmm. you know practicing the way of following Jesus. Of absolutely, we do hope to be to help on your discipleship journey. So that is it's a great fit to have you here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. You're here as we begin talking about this series that you kicked off. For us, it was yesterday at Grace Chapel, but whenever you're listening to that, it's this past Sunday in February, and new series called Back on Track. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about this series? Why did you choose this? Kind of give us an idea of like what what's the goal of this series? Where, where are you hoping to get with this? Yeah. I have one of those stories. Sometimes people will preach a sermon, right, and they'll, and they'll get up and they'll say, let me tell you about how this sermon came to be. And I, that's one of my pet peeves. Mm. But I'm going to tell you about how this, yeah. So <laughs> I didn't do it on Sunday, though. But, you know, I think, I don't know when it was, in November, and Paul, Paul puts the preaching schedule together, approached me and said, Rob, how about February? And, you know, it makes sense that if you were going to preach, since you're a discipleship minister, something to do with discipleship. And mm-hmm. so I, I did spend some time in prayer and uh, you know when you when you get an answer right so I was praying mm-hmm. about the Lord what do you mm-hmm. want me to preach on where do you want me to preach from I, I really did feel committed to just instead of jump around uh, to different texts just try to stay in one book of the Bible and I had a couple of ideas of where that might be mm-hmm. things that I taught mm-hmm. in the past or things mm-hmm. that I'd learned in the past that I was excited about different directions and I felt like like God told me, <laughs> as much as we can mm-hmm. get that nudge, right. yeah. First Corinthians, and I I rebelled against that. I was like, First Corinthians, <laughs> like what does that have to do with dis- discipleship, you know, and yeah. disciple making, and and not what I wanted to preach. And but I 
I decided I would try to obey God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of diving into the text and going through it, just seeing this church that's just in turmoil and really messed mm-hmm. up and, and the correction and really saying this is a huge aspect of this letter is just correction. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. But then this, this, it just jumped out at me, uh, chapter 11 and verse 1, where, where Paul says, we'll follow my example mm-hmm. as I follow the example of Christ. But that wasn't it. Like that, that verse I had read so often out of context. So I go back just a couple of verses, and he's talking about putting others first and and doing all of this for the glory of God, mm-hmm. and doing it all so that some people might be saved. Right. And and then it's there where he says, "So I want you to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ." And so it just kind of blew my mind. It's like, wait, this whole book is about making disciples, mm-hmm. right? And this is the the root of their problem. Like even though he addresses all the specifics, the root was really that they were a church that had gone away from what they were intended to do, make disciples mm-hmm. and glorify God. And they'd got because of that they got caught up in all of these ridiculous things. And so yeah. that's that's the hope and the yeah. goal is, hey, we can see ourselves in them. Maybe maybe we judge ourselves to be better than the Corinthians. That's usually what we do, but but hey, anytime we get off track, we can kind of come back to true north, right? And like what is what is our focal point? Yeah. Should be glorifying God and making disciples. And so yeah Wow. I mean, God mm. just kind of like knocked me over that's and good. said, here you go. <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's the, that's where it came from. And that's the goal. That's oh, really good. Nice. I mean, I think, um, the Corinthian letter in particular is, is a really interesting one. Um, I think often we're tempted to look at the world around us and kind of feel like, boy, things are really bad now, but it's, oh, yeah. it's, it is kind of wild as we look through scripture, we see all these examples of, of times where things were difficult, where certainly I think immorality was, um, you know, was front and center in a lot of ways. And we see that it was, you know, definitely in, in the Corinthian church. In fact, on Sunday, you talked about uh, the Corinthian church and you said they were caught up in four specific things. And I think the apostle Paul there is basically saying the Israelites were caught up in this stuff. You're caught up in this stuff as well. So the Israelites, maybe roughly 1500 years before the Corinthian church were caught up in some of the same struggles uh, than the Corinthian church was. And, and maybe to some degree we are today as well. So I guess, you know, uh, the, the question I have is, you know, do you see the church even today struggling with these four things. So I'll list the four things real quick. It's idolatry, sexual immorality, testing God, and grumbling against leaders. And and if it's not those things, which I think probably it is to some degree, <laughs> are there other things maybe that are keeping us uh, off track in relation to walking faithfully with God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely definitely a lot of those things we can see. We can see if it's not the exact same way that it comes about, maybe a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so idolatry is is a hard thing for us to really grasp uh, because we don't carve little statues. Mo- you know, in, in the U.S. today, most people aren't doing that and, like, right. and bowing down to some household god. But we do have things, you know, if you look at that, is those people were transferring their hope, you know, and, yeah. and, and they were taking mm-hmm. that and they were putting it into this other item. Uh, and and we do that with a number of things. We do that with our money. We do that with our jobs. We do that, you know. Um, and so there's those things. But also, like in First Corinthians eight, like the first couple of verses, that's where the Paul Paul says, you know, um, he says it's it's love. Knowledge puffs up. Right. Love builds up, and that's yep. in an argument about uh, idol worship and mm-hmm. idolatry things. And and so I think that can happen where maybe doctrine is a separate thing. But even the issue they had, and then how they were going about dealing with the issue. Mm-hmm. So, like everybody's got knowledge on it, mm-hmm. but 
But what the church really needs is love because that's what builds us up. And, and you can definitely see that in the world today. Mm-hmm. Look around. But inside of churches or between churches, just fights over who's got all the knowledge. Right? Well, we've got right. better knowledge or we've got more knowledge than you. And, and man, I, through the years, I think that you guys have probably both seen it. I, I know I've seen it mm-hmm. where people will use doctrine and superior knowledge not to build up the church, but yeah. to tear other people down. It's such a, a sad, sad thing. Uh, mm-hmm. They were dealing with politics, you know, yeah. and the leadership mm-hmm. grumblings, you know, that can happen obviously inside a church and we see it, we see the politics of our world creep into the church, right? So right. whether it just be Republican, Democrat, and people get so caught up in their particular sides and their camps, then that causes friction. Then when you come in to try to worship Jesus together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I don't know if I can really trust you or because you believe this or think that. And that's just that can go into other issues too, you know, um, should you get vaccinated or not? Should you wear a mask or not? And, and so there's these mm-hmm. peripheral things that, that really, I guess, highlight the underlying issue that they had, yes. you know, is that they were immature, they were worldly, you know, or on Sunday we used this term, immoralfish. <laughs> I think that was, <laughs> you know, to kind of selfish, you know, immature, worldly, and selfish. And, yes. and just kind of, when you put yourself first and you're kind of going about things and that, it's just always going to cause huge issues in any kind of like one-on-one yeah. relationships. Yeah. And then when you get a big group together, if everybody's just looking out for themselves, you know, and, and that that happens later in the text too, you know, uh, about the Lord's Supper. Like, and when you come together, you're not even waiting for each other. Right. It's just, so a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, you asked a question yesterday, you know, and it really got me to thinking a little bit. I think you asked it somewhere along these lines. You know, can you imagine what it would look like if a church was full of immature, worldly, and selfish people like the Corinthian church was? You know, what would happen in a church like that? And, of course, you know, as you said, you know, we we all have our stories, I think, to some degree. And sometimes we've even been involved in those stories in ways that we wish we could go back and maybe have a do-over on. Uh, or maybe we acted in an immature way or a worldly way or a selfish way mm-hmm. in relation to people within the church. Um, you know, so the times I've been involved in that maybe as one of the, the players or instigators, you know, and I look back, especially in my younger days, or even when I've witnessed it happening, you know, certainly, as you say, we're not above the Corinthian church in the sense that we all struggle, I think, with immaturity yeah. and worldliness and selfishness at times. And so those things that are part of our flesh are almost our inherent makeup. They do find their way into the church, you know, and they find our way into our families. I think Mm -hmm. the more comfortable you get around a group of people, the more of your true identity, the less you wear the, you know, the I'm a good, I'm a good boy mask, you know. And so I think, you know, definitely what they were struggling with, it was very much out in the open. But, yeah, we struggle with the same things today. I mean, I, you know. We both engage in, in counseling relationships. I'm sure you could, uh, neither of us are going to tell stories about it because that's, you know, a breach of confidentiality. But we, we, we know of instances where people were struggling with, you know, maybe gross, you know, sexual immorality or, um, you know, can definitely think about times when people were, were grumbling against leaders. I can think of times when I grumbled against leaders and all these things that can be really, truly divisive really do make us, in a sense, Back to your word, word Emma Whirlfish. Did I get that right? Yeah, Emma well, Whirlfish. So <laughs> as immature, right as you can get. Worldly and selfish. Yeah. So new word of the day, Emma Whirlfish. It will be uh, Merriam-Webster. Will have a definition by the by the as end of the day, most possible. likely. We'll work so, on that. Or the other Emma word. Whirlfish. No, I think that's good, Rob. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the, the counseling thing is true. Like it's and it's sometimes that just boggles my mind. It's like I'm sitting down with a couple that they're they're in their sixties or seventies and they've been married for forty years and I feel like I'm talking to two four year olds, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like but that self like so you don't we don't just like grow out of it, you know, and um, we'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. Our flesh is always gonna be tugging at it. That that piece of self is always gonna say, like, no, pay attention to me. You know, feed yes. me, give me what I want. <clears throat> that stuff. That's what you know. I think good leadership is is so important, and w- where the Corinthians lacked, maybe, and even knowing mm-hmm. where they should go for help. So some people were definitely wanting to go to the Apostle Paul, who helped start this church, and say, "Hey, hey man, things are falling down here. Mm-hmm. Like we need your help." But there's a couple times in the letter that he has to defend his apostleship. You right. know, so kind of knowing that there's some people in the church that are just going to be yeah. like, "No, we don't." Like we don't need to listen to that guy. You know, he's he's not even here anymore. Like he doesn't know our. And mm-hmm. um, they needed that now. So if, if local churches have good solid leaders, that I think mm-hmm. that can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. They can sort. Yes. They, they can they can see these things at the root, try mm-hmm. to root them out before Agreed. they turn into something worse. Yeah, I mean that's a great transition to ask. Like, what what is the solution to this? To this immoral fish problem that we have in the church. <laughs> and I I mean, you mentioned good leadership. You talked about in the message about teaching, rebuking, correcting, training. So how did the Apostle Paul do this with the Corinthian church? Is how did they get back on track? How can this be an example for us today? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that just brought something to mind. Uh, a while ago, I, I kind of saw a, a difference. Because when you first asked the question, I thought accountability. Mm-hmm. But I, we came across this difference between accountability and editability, which is a hard word for me to say. But the I difference. I don't even know what that word is. <laughs> right. I had, I had just heard it for the first time about five years ago. And the idea with accountability is accountability really has to be desired, right? So if I'm struggling with something, uh, then I can say, here's the here's my goal, Ben. Here's my goal. Here's what I want to try to, or here's what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, can you keep? Can you hold me accountable to these things, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so it's a very it's a very permission based thing, where editability is a more of a wide open thing. Mm-hmm. So that'd be like saying, Paul, if you see any place mm-hmm. in my life that needs to be edited, right, that needs to be fixed, I give you permission to speak into my life in that mm-hmm. larger way. And the problem we have sometimes in the church is people. Like, if I just decide that I want to keep one of you guys accountable, like, that's not really what accountability is, unless you ask for it. Mm-hmm. So it's like on a on a Google Drive document. Some of us use Google Drive. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's, I think it's a good way to see that is, like, you can you can share permissions on a document sure. where you can share it to be where someone can maybe view the document. That's one yeah. That's one level of permissions you can give. And then I can look at what you're writing and I can see like that maybe is accountability that you're sharing it so that now I see everything that you've written in here. Mm-hmm. But then you can go to that next level of you can make it shareable so that the other person can edit that document. Right. And mm-hmm. is that kind of what you're getting yeah. to of yeah, I think editability? It's even a larger a level great, of voice. I think a great uh, analogy. Because even in Google, you can you can also make somebody just a commenter. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they can make right. the comment, right. but they don't have the power to change it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, and and so I would say we all need re- those relationships on on some yeah. of those levels, or else when I'm just left to my own devices, I'm 
that's a tough struggle, you know, between yeah. me and my mm-hmm. flesh. So to let people in, to let people edit, to let people hold me accountable, and it, that that's gonna. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's gonna one thing awesome. on, a, on a Google Drive doc where they can edit and they can change <laughs> it, but in your life. I mean, a person can't change right. what you're doing. So, what would that look like to have someone who's, you know, edit, editability? Like, what, what what does that actually look like? Because they're not actually changing my actions, but what are they doing? Uh, I mean, but it, but it could be. I mean, obviously, they can't change what you decide. Uh, but just to have somebody that's speaking truth, mm-hmm. and I mean, truth can make a huge difference. Because that's what mm-hmm. a lot of. I mean, I originally this this first sermon was going to have a lot of focus on repentance. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's mm-hmm. obviously a, a good start. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about King David and when he has his, his right. error with Bathsheba. Yep. Just how amazing it is. It's like, here's a guy, you know, he's king, he, a man after God's own heart. He's got this great relationship with God. And at this point, he's been, he's been living this good life for a, a, a little while. Mm-hmm. And yet when he sins with Bathsheba, he seems to have no idea. Like, he seems right. to have no idea of what's going on in his own life. And even when the prophet comes to him and, and shares him a, a parallel story, he's still oblivious, right? He's like, that dude that took that right. other guy's lamb, you know, and that, something terrible needs to happen to him. And it's, and it's like, well, that's you. Like, you are the man. And mm-hmm. then he's like, it takes all of that to be struck. And, and so that's where it is. When it comes to sin in our own lives, we sometimes we just know right but yep. sometimes we avoid sometimes we deny sometimes we are just oblivious right like we're doing something because mm-hmm. we make the we have the rationale we make excuses for ourselves and sometimes things that are bad we even convince ourselves that maybe it's not bad maybe it's even okay that I'm doing this maybe yeah. it's even profitable and so to have people in our lives yeah they can't change what we're doing but sometimes that is a huge start is just to say that's that's actually not good. You know, that's yeah, not right. right. Yeah. You can't be doing that. Um, so I think you kind of, you know, you get the sense, at least um, in the New Testament at times, that the Apostle Paul and some of the other New Testament writers that do write to kind of correct, rebuke, teach, train, that kind of thing, um, that they kind of had a sense anyway that the moment you decide to give your life to Jesus and are connected with maybe a local church, especially the leaders of that local church, you're actually moving to that place where you're giving permission mm-hmm. to those leaders to, to be engaged that way. And certainly I think in our society, in our culture, um, you know, because we are, we talked about this last month, we are so uh, radically individualist, individualistic in a sense. So, you know, I, so I'm a radical individualist, you're a radical individualist, we all are. So when we come and we're part of the body of Christ, um, because I think we're conditioned to think that my stuff is my stuff, this is my private area, my house is my private property, all, you know, so my life is my private spot, mm-hmm. uh, in a sense, my private place. And so you don't have a right to speak into what is my, my business, mm-hmm. in a sense. So we, I mean, we even use that in, in the United States, we use that line often, you know, mind your own business. Mm-hmm. You know, I can think of, you know, as a, as a kid saying that to other kids and having other kids say that to me pretty frequently, you know, it's just a thing. Why don't you mind your own business? Uh, but the reality is, at least certainly in, in reading the way that the Apostle Paul engaged with the Corinthian church and again, others, the Galatian church, um, it seems like he believed the moment that these folks, these other disciples gave their life to Jesus, he had now 
the right and the calling and the invitation to speak into their lives mm-hmm. in places where they were maybe off track. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I don't know if that, if that uh, you know, hits you in a certain way. I know you did yesterday talk about, you know, this idea of maybe, and maybe you could speak, us, speak to us a little bit more about that and kind of in principle, this idea of being off track or being kind of in a neutral place versus actually truly heading in the right direction. Um, but I do think that has a lot, a lot to do with it because maybe what is needed is some teaching and rebuking at times mm-hmm. and some correcting and training. But we also have to be willing to receive that teaching and rebuking and that correcting and training all of that together. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, when you were saying that, uh, at the end of chapter five, Paul writes very explicitly, he says, um, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsider, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. So, so yeah, I would say you definitely had that assumption that if you attach yourself to the body of Christ, then you you become accountable to people, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And because yeah. they're a part of the body too, and what you do is going to affect them. If it's a negative thing, mm-hmm. it's going to affect them right. negatively, and, and so that's a huge, huge thing. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's Second Timothy three sixteen that mm-hmm. talks about you know the word of God is is useful for teaching and re- rebuking, correcting, and training right. in righteousness, and and I think it. It was just one of those things as I kind of diagrammed some of this out because it felt like what what Paul done, did initially in chapter 10 was do some rebuking. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're you're very close to this idolatry stuff. You need to get away, flee from it. And and some teaching about it, going back and highlighting the Israelites and what they did and, and the warning. And then and then the shift to the end of the chapter where he talks about like following me as, mm-hmm. as I follow Christ mm-hmm. seemed a little bit more like the the training in righteousness, right? Yeah. So like the correcting is That's good. And so we can get to that spot, right? It's like, all right, well I, you brought me from off track into this kind of neutral zone. But if you if I don't know what to do or the next positive steps to take, I'm probably just gonna drift back into being off track. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and and so that's having that that bigger approach. And even like you hear about that somebody smoking cigarettes and they give up smoking cigarettes, they have a need to fill that void with them. So they might start drinking coffee or chewing gum. Mm-hmm. And so those things would be seen as as more positive things to do. Uh, but if they don't, they could go actually the opposite way and start right. smoking weed, you know, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, very important to fill our lives up yeah. with the good things, and that's the correcting and the, the training in righteousness. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that part of it a little bit, because I think we've talked a lot about the the side of kind of stopping, like moving away from, from sin, from the immoral, immoral fish yeah. Uh, yeah. mindset. And there's this, uh, there's this um, idea from theologian teacher Dallas Willard that I thought was helpful that kind of came to my mind as you were talking about this. And he talks about this idea of like the gospel of sin management. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this terminology he uses to talk about this kind of version of the Christian experience, I'd say, that's just about not sinning, where it's just about, I need to stop doing this and kind of move from this off-track spot, to use your terminology, to this neutral ground. But 
that's not all that discipleship is. It's discipleship is a lot bigger. It's about getting back to the right track. Mm-hmm. Paul used this mm-hmm. imagery, and maybe to steal, I'm, I might be stealing your thunder a little bit. Yeah, but go this for it. Marriage <laughs> imagery, where if we define, if you were to define your marriage relationship as just that, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't been cheating on them. That's not a that's not a healthy marriage. Like just to <laughs> yeah. say that, oh man, my marriage is good because I haven't had an affair. Yeah, and I can feed <laughs> into that and just say, good. I mean, I've got a couple of mentors that will check in with me from time to time, and that's one of the questions that they ask them. You know, is well, how are you and Lori doing? And if that if that was my answer to them was, <laughs> well, I'm not having an affair, yeah. and I just left it at that, they would wonder. What, what kind of what, what kind of an answer is that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so, but sometimes it does seem that that we set neutral as almost the pinnacle, right? So mm-hmm. whatever was the next, so I was off track. That was the negative. So I'm going to give up those negative things, and by yeah. giving up those negative things, my pursuit of Jesus is going to be raised to this level of neutrality. But Paul is obviously calling the Corinthians and us to something much higher, which is you know you were calling it right direction or being back on track. So. Um, you know, how, how would you how would you maybe characterize that a little bit further? And again, as, mm-hmm, as Ben said, mm-hmm. you know, the struggle between living that life of just embracing the gospel of sin management, but maybe embracing this gospel call to really yeah. being disciples of Jesus who make disciples. The other thing that that Ben said that I liked a lot was, I think you said that that's not discipleship, right? Yeah. And, and I think yeah. that so even earlier I did, I said definitions of discipleship can kind of hinge on where we see conversion, either before right. or after conversion. But when you look at it as the whole scope of things, what happens is, and what we're trying to really look at is, it, it's it's not about, because conversion can often come down to transaction, right? It feels yes. like, all right, I'm going to give my life away, right. and God's going to give me new life, and sometimes a lot even less mature sounding than that. And so... So we move from transactional to transformational, mm-hmm. right? And, th- and then, and and then from transactional to relational. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think those things can make a huge difference because when you when you see things as just, I don't, I'm trying not to sin. I don't want to sin anymore. Then really, that's a product of a list that you have of like here's mm-hmm. the here's the boxes I need to check mm-hmm. in order to be a good Christian. And if I don't check them all. Then I'm a bad Christian, or you know, or what do I need to do to go to heaven or hell? And then that becomes a lot more about me and what I'm doing, and a yeah. lot less about God and what He is doing, mm-hmm. uh, because there's a whole lot of grace that's involved, right? And so it's kind of yeah. I know I've heard that so many times in having conversations with folks where it is very easy to put they measure the relationship with Jesus of how well I'm doing mm-hmm. by how much I'm sinning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to fall in that box when you're looking at your relationship with God. But mm-hmm. when you think of it from that marriage terminology, mm-hmm. no one would ever do that. No one would mm-hmm. ever find that to be acceptable to measure how good is my relationship with my significant other by how much am I cheating or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that's really, that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, Rob, as we... We take this one step further, um, you know, for, for individuals or someone who's listening, watching, um, you know, what would you challenge us to be working on this week? We often like to leave our folks with one thing. Uh, it's one thing that, we'll, that, that we could do that will help us uh, as we try to become more faithful in the way that we follow Jesus. Again, so as a, 
The name of our podcast suggests Practice Makes Faithful. We're looking for weekly, a thing that we could do, or maybe even a few, uh, that we could practice this week that would help us follow Jesus more faithful. So would you have a one thing for us? <clears throat> I probably would go along the lines of taking taking all of this in and considering it and and have a time in your life this week of introspection, mm-hmm. you know, and evaluation to kind of see. Because for some people, it might be glaring. It might be, oh, like, yeah, this is an area where I'm definitely am a whirlfish. You know, I'm definitely mm-hmm. just like focused on myself. I'm I'm hurting other people. I'm hurting my church because I'm I'm just putting myself first in these ways. Uh, but for some, it that might not be glaring. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so it's more about maybe figuring out the neutral spaces. What are those areas in my life where I'm just kind of drifting, just kind of floating along, and I'm not I'm not doing bad. But yes. I'm definitely, it's not glorifying God. And those, those would be the two hallmarks that we saw in chapter 10 and, and 11, 1 of 1 Corinthians where here, here's kind of the, the standard that we want to be going for. There's the right tracks. Is, mm-hmm. Does it glorify God? Is it helping other people get closer to Jesus? And so you could, I mean, we were just talking about mar- marriage. I can think about my marriage, right? If Maybe your marriage is in a neutral zone. It, you're not fighting. You're not... You know, ha- making the neighbors have to call the police on you, you know, and you're not having that affair. So, so okay, it's not there, but maybe it's just kind of in that middle zone. Then you can think, well, are there ways that I could use my marriage or within my marriage, we could do things that actually glorify God and bring other people closer to Jesus? What would those things be? Mm-hmm. You know, so you're taking, so it's not like get rid of this or get rid of that, or you have to add all these things into your life mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as kind of the baby step ways. What are some things that maybe hit? in this neutral zone that we could turn the needle up to being positive or, you know, shift now to be on the right track to glorify God. And give me, give me an example of that, of what that could look like of taking something from the neutral zone to being on the right track. All right. Um, well, in, in my own life, um, years ago, I was, I was going on Tuesday nights and I was playing volleyball. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that was even maybe in, in the realm of being selfish. There's a time, you know, at some points, Cassie would watch the kids. I would get to go out on my own and do something athletic and sporty, and so I really liked that. But I had a mindset for a good portion of that, like, this is me time. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, I, I'm not going to talk to people or I'm just going to keep conversations, like, very light and, and surface level. I'm not going to dig deeper. And and then some things happened in our lives. We, we were kind of adjusting some of our focus to be more disciple-making minded. Mm-hmm. And, and so... That where where that was probably had turned to neutral. I thought, well, here's an opportunity. I'm going every Tuesday, and I'm hanging out with 20, 25 people who aren't Christians, you know. And and so then I started. I'd sit in the parking lot before I would go go in, and I'd just pray, Lord, give me an opportunity. You know, open up a door, mm-hmm. help me to have a conversation, and you know, got to talk to one guy that lived in the neighboring town, and his family was doing. Uh, worship in their house because they they had just been turned off by a lot of local churches mm. got to you know really speak into his life a little bit and um, and then the biggest thing was a woman who I never would have thought like it just our relationship up to that point I, I had prejudged her in certain ways well conversing with her she just starts opening up about her life uh, and she ended up coming to the Bible study at our house mm. you know we still have connections with her and her family um, and so that 
I took my volleyball night and it was neutral or off track and said, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you. Mm-hmm. And man, it was so much Love more that. fulfilling really going to play volleyball on Tuesday night in that thread, in that vein. Saying, okay, I can use this to glorify God. And God, what does God want us to do with that then? He wants us to try to get people closer to Jesus. Uh, That's yeah. really good. I think we can all think of some things in our life that mm-hmm. are, are neutral. They're not things that are right. inherently good or evil, but what would it look like to take that to take that up a level to put that on track? Mm-hmm. That, that can be a part of our, we can integrate that into our Christian experience. It doesn't have to be this, just this little box over here that's just for this me time, as you put it. Mm-hmm. But no, it can be a, a part of our Christian walk. Right. I really like that. Yeah, before we move on, let me try to sum that up so that we get it well. Um, You know, so take stock. Look and see if there are any areas of life or maybe one specific area of life. And for you, it was maybe going to your own sporting event. For others, it could be going to kids' sporting events. So taking basically what what happens to be something that is stuck in the neutral zone and actually taking it to where it's back on track. So what's neutral becomes an opportunity for being unselfish, for glorifying God and loving others in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, and the training and the correcting, I guess if we might have ideas, but that I would say maybe find somebody who's who you feel like is doing it, and mm. then maybe they can train you and correct you in that. You know, and say, okay, how can I use this kid's play date? You know, or this, right. you know, I'm walking my dogs. How can I use walking my dogs to glorify God? Well, you know, there's people that, that can kind of, help you get on the right track. And that's why uh, another reason why we have the body. Yeah. Yep, so like the, the Apostle Paul was able to say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Mm-hmm. So for some of us, we actually need to turn around and identify someone who obviously seems to be following the example of Jesus and say, could you teach me how to follow Jesus the way you're following Jesus, which is discipleship. Right. It's a big <laughs> part of that. So, yeah. yeah, that's excellent. That's really good. Awesome. Well, as we come to a close, you have any any final thoughts or maybe even just anything you would just kind of tease maybe where we're going on this series? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because I feel like the first several chapters of Corinthians, then you almost get a sense that the Corinthians were having some effort to make disciples. Mm-hmm. But because of their immaturity, those things were way off. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to look at three main areas of their effort that we're falling short and, and where we actually, okay. I think, often fall short in our efforts our efforts to make disciples. So that's awesome. where we're going. Tune in next week. That's good. Go. That's good. It's a great plug. Yeah, so we would love that. If you all keep following along, uh, you can look at our main channel, our Grace Chapel Church channel, to watch these messages. Go back, check out Rob's message. Check out this series we mm-hmm. go forward, and then we'd invite you to keep tuning in here to Practice Makes Faithful as we continue these conversations moving forward. Yeah. And uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, we say this uh, consistently, but we would just love to hear your feedback. We've actually set up a email address that's just practice makes faithful at gmail.com. And uh, I think we'll put a link to that in the podcast, but mm-hmm. in the show notes. So if you have any questions for us, anything you'd love to hear us talk about a little bit more, maybe as you're following along with this series, we'd love it. If you've got like a question for Rob that you'd love us to discuss mm-hmm. here, Throw us, uh, drop us an email about that. We'd love to consider that and absolutely looking to dive into that here. But thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see y'all next week as we continue getting back on track.